Now, James Mangold's a fascinating director. He kind of has never had an art house hit, um, and he's kind of not really screwed up the big budget films or the big projects he's been given either. Um, his most prominent early film was Copland, a film I've got an awful lot of time for, which starred uh, Sylvester Stallone and was a bit paid out on at the time as an attempt to rebrand Stallone as a serious actor. Um, and it, it was very successful in doing so. It's probably Stallone's best individual performance. Um, there was too much going on in the film, but the cast is from heaven and the whole notion of this town outside of New York there where everyone was a cop and the, the police force acted accordingly was fascinating. Um, he also did a couple of not that interesting films, Girl Interrupted, Kate and Leopold, um, but Walk the Line was um, very well received and then he did a western called 310 to Yuma which I thought was great, uh, Russell Crowe in it and I thought that was a really strong film. And The Wolverine and Logan, um, The Wolverine didn't get the credit it deserves uh, that was the second of the standalone wolverine films one set in japan and other than a, a really dire last quarter where it just goes crazy for no reason in complete odds to the rest of the film a lot of it's pretty stunning in the way that it happens and logan obviously got huge amount of acclaim and showed him to be more than capable of flexing some much darker and adult muscles than had been seen in the comic book universe and um, I think that's been followed up with Joker I certainly think there's some sort of link between how adult a lot of um, the themes and the violence and uh, and the way that um, Logan didn't pull any punches for a mainstream audience but yet was I think it did over 750 million at the box office not a happy watch at all um, and I do think that was kind of um, deserved a bit more credit in the whole story of how the Joker crossed over well, he did for V Ferrari, which was a, an outlier on the awards season last year, uh, starring Matt Damon and Christian Bale, who I absolutely adore um, in just about everything. Uh, he was robbed in Vice, and that whole film deserves so much more credit than it gets. Uh, and it's a, a story about the Le Mans race and the battle between the Ford Motor Company and Ferrari. And it's a fascinating setup. Basically, the um, Shelby, who is now famous for the Shelby Cobra, the AC Cobra, one of the most beautiful sports cars in the world, had won the Le Mans race. I think he was the second American to win the 24-hour Le Mans race, which was notoriously dangerous. Uh, I think one event in the 50s, a car left the track and killed about 50 spectators. Uh, it's actually on YouTube. It's a. It might have been earlier than the fifties, but um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was a pretty shocking event, and drivers used to die every single year. It's. Um, they drive around for twenty four hours, and um, Ferrari had become dominant over it, and people were looking to rebrand Ford away from being the Model T Ford manufacturer and make them an exciting motor car company, and they tried to buy Ferrari to run in the Le Mans race. And Ferrari, I think it was it Enzo or was it the older Ferrari guy? He did the dirty on them and just used Ford to up the bid from Fiat. Um, so he entertained them. And you see all this in the film, in the early stages of the film, where they're pretending to entertain the bid from Ford just to drive up the price for Fiat. And they turn around and say, I'd never sell myself to Ford because you make, you know, 
cotton candy cars i don't and it really offends the um chairman of uh ford who's played excellently by he's always good in everything i've seen him in i'm just trying to find oh i can't find the name of the actor well i'll see if i as i go along if i can remember who it is um but he gets um very personal he, he plays henry the ford the second and he's in awe of the legacy of Henry Ford, so he's continually a little bit Tracy Letts. I will you'd know him if you saw him. Um, and he's very much in sort of like both awe and terror at his father's legacy, with people saying you'll never be as good as your father. So this slight from the guy that owns Ferrari that his company makes toy cars is doesn't go down well, and he decides to launch this. Um, offensive to win the Le Mans race by employing Mavericks to do the work and to um, think outside the box and be challenging so he gets Matt Damon's character Shelby uh, on board Carol Shelby the guy that had won Le Mans but the year after found out he had a heart defect and could never race again so that was his last hurrah on the racing circuit and the other in the pod as far as these maverick race driver people go is christian bale's character ken miles who was um a bit of an outlier on the racing scene but known as an well arguably the best driver on that scene but a very difficult human being to get along with someone who appalled sponsors who were necessary to build these machines anyway um but carol shelby knew that he was the best driver they had and as far as testing the car in the build-up to Le Mans, he was the man that he wanted. And the, the movie follows their path from, you know, Carol Shelby being enticed. Carol Shelby's up to his neck in debt making cars, and suddenly the Ford Motor Company come along with a huge checkbook, unlimited resources, and say, we want you to win the Le Mans race and do it your way. And that's a big thing about the film. The whole doing it your way isn't really doing it your way. Um, and he then reaches out to another sort of maverick that's um, whose attitude and personality don't get him as far politically in the driving world as other people who are lesser drivers get, which is Ken Miles, played by Christian Bale, who's got um, he's another in debt person with a, a car garage that isn't doing as much business as it should, and he knows Matt Damon's character already. Um, and obviously after saying no, definitely not ever, he immediately signs up to work with Carol Shelby and, and produces Le Mans fighting car. And the rest of the movie follows the path of them uh, attending the first and then the second Le Mans. Um, and all of its historical records, so it's um, obviously not much of a suspense film in regards to the, the actual facts of what happened. The first time around... Poor Ken Miles, the Christian Bale character, is uh, unceremoniously shunted to the margins. He tells them a lot of information about how the car's going to break down, but they can't risk using him because he presents such a bad face for the Ford Motor Company. They want an all-American boy who's not about to make them look bad on the world stage every time he opens his mouth in front of a microphone. Unfortunately, that means they've got lesser drivers and they do very, very badly, mainly because uh, all their cars break down in a manner that he suggests is going to happen. So they go back for round two, uh, and that's the big, obviously the big part of the movie in the last third, 
is that cumulative Le Mans race, which is um, the whole movie coming. Now, it's um, it's a very interesting film. It's um, not the kind of film that's very common these days, which in it, it aims at sheer enjoyment. To be uh, negative about that, I'd say that it's the kind of film that Ron Howard would make, and that's not a positive from me. Yet, ironically, Ron Howard's film Rush, which is also about another massive car rivalry between uh, Nicky Lauda and, what's his name? I can't remember the other guy's name, but um, Ferrari were involved again, but in the 1970s in Formula One racing. That film was amazing, and that was the least Ron Howard film ever made. Um, but the rest of it is, you know, like a, a, a biopic that doesn't have any teeth, but it's very shiny, lots of famous people in it, doesn't tax you, everything's surface level. And it's nearly there, but it has got a lot more going for it than that kind of Ron Howard biopic. Um, I think the film's put together very well. Um, Christian Bale and Matt Damon are excellent in their roles. Uh, Matt Damon continually gets these holding pattern roles where he's he's there to, to hold the centre of the film together and does so easily. But um, I do get a little bit upset for him at times that he's not allowed the free reign that, say, Christian Bale character here, who was up for some awards for acting. Um, he's given more free reign to be emotional, to actually you know show his acting chops a bit more. Um, but they're certainly the centre of the film. Um, I thought there was a massive irony at the heart of Ford versus Ferrari, and it's this. The film itself is concerned with Mavericks wanting to do things their way, which will garner results, garner results and then being continually stymied by the corporate whole, forcing them to, take cha- uh, to change things that end up making them not win and to make them less good in order to you know be a bit more friendly to sponsors or you know they don't want to use Christian Bale as a driver but they also take other decisions away from Shelby um, that make the the finished product a far less enticing one Um, so that for me was a massive irony because I feel that's a movie a bit if the movie was about people being stymied by outside corporate influence, watering everything down to a safe level. I kind of feel that's what happened with the film. I feel it could have been a lot better because there's so many instances where things are watered down in this film and where things are shoehorned in that don't need to be there. Um, I'll give the example of the race itself. There are multiple things happening in the very exciting road race at the finale of the film which don't need to be there such as they continually cut back to Christian Bale's child multiple times during the race where he just delivers what you've just seen on screen and tells you in words, and it is incredibly annoying. I mean, there's one bit where Christian Bale's car has to overtake the lead car twice. Now, anyone watching got that the first time, but they repeat it about three times on the track, and even Christian Bale going, so I've got to overtake him twice, yes. And yes, I've got to overtake him twice. And they, it's like, yeah, we understand the whole concept of him being lapped. But then it cuts back to the kid who goes through the whole thing again. And that happens on more than one occasion in this move, movie. And I don't think um, anything that comes out of the kid's mouth isn't cringeable. Um, the whole relationship with the wife is really stock standard. 
I think if you've seen something like First Man with Ryan Gosling and the British actress, I can't remember off the top of my head, gave an awards-worthy performance as the wife left at home. She was magnificent, and that was a brilliant character. We don't get that here. We get a bit more of the wifey-at-home character, which is a bit of a shame. And um, I think throughout the film as well, there are too many instances of some... It feels like someone's come along to the director and said, can you put this in the film just to make it a bit more friendly for... You know, like someone's come in with Jar Jar Binks and said, can you just have this character here or that character saying that kind of thing? And I noticed all these moments and they all lessen the film a bit for me. Um, visually it's spectacular the cinematography is very widescreen high definition bright blue sunshine all the time i get a bit annoyed with films with massive budgets where everything happens in the dark this is colorful clear blue skies and test tracks um, the cars are very well handled and the racing's quite exciting i wouldn't say it was far enough ahead of anything we've seen before i thought rush was very good on that score as well but still it's pretty much near the top of what you're going to get uh, the sound stage as well is excellent and you do get the visceral impact of um, what's going on on the track and the cars being the real star of the show. Um, outside of uh, Christian Bale and Matt Damon, not a lot going on, not much character development. Um, and the only character that really, really stood out was Tracy Letts as Henry Ford II. When he's on screen, I thought the film livened a lot. Um, many of the other characters sort of sink into being... Um, I think there's one guy uh, who who's just so corporate evil that it's a little bit painful, uh, and it feels like you know that's that was another character shoehorned in. Make this guy be the guy from corporate who destroys everything, and it's a little bit too much. Um, so the side characters aren't well drawn. Um, I wouldn't say there was a particular amount of character development, even in Matt Damon or Christian Bale's characters. But it's um, great entertainment, um, and you can certainly switch off from the moments where the sun starts talking gibberish or where they make it too obvious what's going on or repeat stuff so that you just kind of blink and say, yeah, I know, I understand. Um, where it sort of, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is where it second guesses your own intelligence. And I always find myself watching films where they haven't rewarded me by spelling everything out a lot better than films that go far too far in spelling things out. I think we all like a film that hasn't prejudged us as being really stupid uh, and where you kind of work something out in your head and it isn't told to you, whereas this time around it's the Spielberg thing. What I always say about Spielberg films, he never gives the uh, audience any credit for being intelligent. He has to map out the path for you just to make sure. So it could have been better. And um, I kind of feel like some of the motivation is a little bit lost by Bale himself, not really having that much to race against. Like if you've seen how Le Mans works, they use um, two sets of drivers. So they're going backwards and forwards. And in the Rush film you had two drivers that were heavy rivals, so it kind of meant a bit more, whereas here it's Ford versus Ferrari, and the other drivers aren't that focused on. They're not really interesting or of interest to um, to the people. And it, 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 it does tell you the fact that basically it's the car more than anything. Um, if the car breaks down, which is 90% of the time, 
you've failed. So it is kind of more about the cars themselves than the actual drivers. It's an endurance race, and it's called that for a reason. So it was probably more accurate to focus on the mechanics of the car, but a little bit less dramatically enticing when he's racing against himself. There is one massive moment towards the end which does inject the film with a whole load of emotion. It's um, a very controversial thing that happened at the end of the race and I won't spoil it if you've never seen it and don't read up about it because it packs a mighty impact. Um, The only thing I would say is it's deeply unsatisfying, not against the movie but it leaves you with a real amount of bile in your mouth about what's happened and what really is supposed to have happened. So it's kind of hamstrung a bit by that because you think they've really earned this triumph at the end and it's a very bittersweet triumph that you get and you're kind of like, oh, well, it's true, but at the same time, screw you for doing that. So anyway, I'm going to give Ford v Ferrari simplistic, fun, uh, gorgeous to look at, well played by at least two of the actors without any other real characters and a very solid effort from James Mangold directing um so yeah it's it's definite high quality entertainment seven and a half out of ten for full v ferrari and it could have been higher had they treated the audience with a little bit more respect and had a little bit more edge seven and a half out of ten for full v ferrari this is azuna i'm continuing in my focus on all things modern latin uh, reggaeton latin trap and so on and this is from his joint